Hey there, booklies! This is Anastasia Nightingale, and welcome back to the Bookish Creation Podcast. This show is for adults only, and sometimes contains erotic excerpts sent in by the authors for the purpose of reading them on the podcast. These excerpts can, at times, include intense situations and or provocative characters and scenes. Please be sure to listen responsibly. And welcome back to another Bookish Book Hype. I hope that you're all doing fantastic and that you're ready for a hot and steamy new adventure in this episode of the podcast. Now today I am really excited to share these fantastic excerpts sent in by the wonderful L.V. Lane for her new book, Prey. Prey is a fantasy reverse harem with a little bit of a dark bite to it, at least in these excerpts that I am absolutely loving. Thank you so much, LV Lane, for sending in these awesome excerpts. They are not only oh so hot and steamy, but also so much fun. I really appreciate you sending these in for us to read and enjoy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, I honestly can't wait to get into these with you guys, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Okay, so this first excerpt is called Strangers at the Door, and it's from Belle's Perspective. I'm roused from wishful considerations by a thumping on the door. I freeze. A sweeping current of energy rushes up my spine. My ears strain, but all I can hear is the gentle patter of rain hitting the roof and the gust of wind. I rack my brains for an explanation, something coming loose in the wind perhaps, and yet that sound was distinct, deliberate. Shep my dog is outside. Maybe he's trying to get in? The heavy thud sounds again and this time I know someone or something far bigger than Shep is at my door. Members of the Imperial Guard seeking shelter for the night. A gruff voice calls from beyond the door. I jump out of bed and stare around the darkened room in mindless terror. I need to run or hide, but I don't do either of those things. Please leave. There's no one here. This is probably the most ridiculous statement I've ever made in my entire life. In one short speech... I proclaim myself as both female and alone. Further, that I'm either stupid or have been made so by fear. I have the pox! Bollocks! She has the pox! Another voice says, muffled behind the door. This one sounds younger. I know that scent. There's an omega in there. Those words tip ice into my veins and finally rouse my wits. I shove my feet into my boots. A muffled thud and grunt comes from behind the door. Goddess help me, they are fighting now. It pokes my fight mode with a great big stick, and without a backward glance or consideration, I'm prying open the window at the back of the house and making my escape. (laughs) Okay, I have to admit, I absolutely love this one. There is so much packed into it. It's a really fun little excerpt, and there is a lot of character development Just within a couple of lines, this is really an excellent excerpt. But before we jump into the fun stuff, what happened to Shep? I'm really concerned about the dog. (laughs) Um, I'm sure all of you know that I am an absolute huge dog lover. And I'm really, really concerned about what happened to Shep. Um, Okay, so Shep is outside. And he clearly has to be on the larger side if Belle first thought that... He was the cause of the thumping sound, so I would imagine if he noticed guards or or anybody coming up to the house, he would have been barking, 
going off in some way to try and warn Belle that somebody was there at the very least, but I could also see a bigger dog trying to protect her, especially with the tone of this and what I feel she's actually doing in this excerpt, which is hiding. I feel like she got Shep for the purpose of protection. So what happened to Shep? I'm really kind of concerned. Um, I'm looking forward to reading and seeing what happens within this excerpt and what happens to Belle afterwards, but I also really want to know what happened to Shep. <laughs> now, a possibility is that there's alphas within the guard unit that is coming and seeking shelter, and maybe perhaps the dog decided that they were his alpha and he listened to any commands that they gave him, or maybe even he led them to the house for shelter. I'm going to go with that as a hope until I read the story and see what happens, but I'm really hoping Shep is okay. That's got me very concerned. But apart from Shep being missing and wanting to know what happened to him, what I see in this excerpt is Belle not really wanting to come to terms with what she is and who she is. I'm really getting this sense of her hiding and not liking the fact that she is an Omega, which I really do like. I really do like that aspect in these kinds of heroines when they're struggling with their own sense of identity and when they're really kind of scared of what it means to be who they are. And then having, you know, the heroes kind of help them see how that's not a bad thing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out throughout this story, especially with this being a reverse harem and with the excerpts that are coming up soon. But... <laughs> I also really love the one line after the guards knock on the door and her saying there's no one here. That was too funny. That was way too funny. When I very first read that, I started dying laughing and not in a bad way at her, mostly because I so would have said that. <laughs> I so would have been the one saying there's no one here, please go away. I mean, what what would we be thinking? That the door all of a sudden has an answering machine or something? <laughs> but I could so see myself doing that. But what's more is that one line, apart from it just being funny, is also very revealing for Belle. When we're put into situations where we're in a high adrenaline state, we're put into that base instinct of fight, flight, or freeze, our masks that we put on for society kind of come crumbling down. And we are stripped down to our base being. What comes out is actually really genuine. So even though she thinks that that is the most ridiculous statement she's ever made, it's also really genuinely showing her personality. And no, I'm not saying that she's ridiculous. I'm really not. But I am definitely getting more of that feminine, cute, more innocent tone from this reaction of there's no one here. And I really loved that. I really loved the connection that I was able to make with her in just that one line. Apart from just the whole that so would have been what I would have done. But I also really like how she takes it a step further and says, I have the pox. 
<laughs> so now not only have you shown that you're afraid, but now you've also tried to scare them, which kind of tells them that you're also hiding. Again, I really love how showing this is of what's happening with her, her state of mind, and in all honesty, even though it sounds funny, and even though it sounds like she is just a weakling and not very intelligent, it's actually giving me the opposite sense. She is very scared, but she's also willing to try. She's not just going to roll over and die. She's not just going to allow them to take her. She's going to throw things out there that she's going to think is going to scare them off or make them stay back. She's trying to fight using her head since she knows fighting with her fists probably is not going to work. So I really do like that about her character. Really, really do like it. Now, one of the best things in this excerpt to me, though, that has my interest really piqued is that she escapes through the back window. Now, they can smell her, which kind of tells me very quickly her scent is going to start to die down. That's going to tell them that she's no longer in the house. And they're trained guards, so they're going to probably be able to hear her, hear the window. If the window's up a little bit high, say, because the ground's kind of dipping low or something's going on outside, the fall might give a pretty good thump. She could also fall into a puddle, which is going to give a really loud splash. So the guards might also actually hear her trying to escape. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Do they actually hear her or are they too busy with fighting to notice that she's escaped? Is it her running through the woods that winds up leading her into the situation that is the main part of this story? Or is it something else? I really can't wait to see how this particular scene ends. And I can't wait to see what happens with Shep. Sorry, I am just too much of a dog lover. I really need to see what happens with the dog too. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next excerpt that we have, which is called Waking Up with the Beast. And again, it's from Belle's perspective. I wake up naked, smothered under a wall of hot flesh. It's morning. At least I think it must be morning, but it's hard to tell since my face is against the bedding. I have no recollection of turning thus, but there is a beast above me, and I'm surrounded by his scent. I'm not sure if it's a lack of oxygen or his pheromones, but I feel a little dizzy, and between my legs is achy and swollen. My wriggling sees the beast move, and the mountain crushing me shifts. A gasp escapes my lips when his big hand connects with my ass. Be still, Silas growls. I need to go, I say peering back at him over my shoulder. He sighs, and his heavy leg untangles from mine. Cautiously, I turn over, eyeing him the whole time. He is dark of hair and eyes and hair suit. In all ways, he really is a beast. Rolling onto his back, he scratches at his beard while eyeballing me back. I have very little go on as to what makes a man handsome, but I believe that he is handsome. My eyes do not search his for long, because he's naked and shows not a bit of shame. His thick cock juts from a nest of dark curls. A trail of clear stickiness leaks from the tip connecting to the ridges of his abdominables. My stomach clenches. It's rude to stare, but I cannot seem to make myself stop. There's a buzzing in my ears, and breathing is harder than when I was buried beneath his hot flesh. And between my legs, 
dampness is gathering to ease the passage of his "'Go ahead, then,' he says. "'When I tear my gaze away from that arresting sight, "'I find him watching me in a way that reminds me "'that he is the apex predator, and I am the prey. "'Do you need me to accompany you?' he asks, "'a lazy smirk blooming on his lips. "'No!' Now the predator is playing with his mouse. Hot and steamy is definitely on the menu for today's podcast. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I'm really zooming in on here, and this is going to sound really funny, but is Silas's hairiness. <laughs> I've always really wondered about these particular alphas and omegas and where this is coming from. They have a lot of traits from the alphas and omegas that I'm very used to as far as, you know, werewolves go. So I'm really interested in Silas's hairiness to see if maybe we dive in a little bit deeper into where this alpha and omega thing comes from and how they have this better sense of smell and everything like that. I'm also interested to see what her initial thoughts of that are. And considering the fact that in the first excerpt, the one that we just read, she does escape through a window. I really want to know if he grabs her. I want to know if she runs into the arms of the alphas that she's with or if she's given to them. I can't wait to see that. I honestly can't wait to see that and her reaction to it and her first initial thought of Silas's hairiness. I also really like Silas's personality in this particular excerpt. He is for sure that alpha male, he's got that dominant quality to him that I absolutely love, but he's also got this really funny side to him. I loved that humor at the end where he asks her if she needs help. That was absolutely awesome. I mean, yes, he is toying with her like she thinks, but at the same token, I'm getting a sense of him trying to put her at ease as well, trying to break the tension in the room, trying to get her to feel a little bit more comfortable, to relax a little bit more around him. And I just find that kind of a trait in these kinds of characters, these kinds of dominating characters, to be really endearing and really sweet. So, so far, I am looking forward to learning about Silas the most for the males that I've seen in the excerpts that have been sent in. And of course, I can't wait for more hot and steamy scenes like this either. I mean, mm, this was awesome. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the last excerpt that we have, which is called Spying on the Alphas. And again, it's from Belle's perspective. They're talking on the other side of the room. I can't hear what they're saying, but I suspect it's about me. I don't want to be in the bedding nook anymore, but Silas put me here and drew the curtain in a way that suggests I shouldn't open it again. I try peeping through the gap, but Silas has his back to me, and I can't see much, although I can see that Dax has not yet put on his shirt, and that produces a strange fluttering low on my belly. Of the three of them, Dax is the most reserved. He has a gruff, stern way about him that I find intimidating. It's not only his manner that I find intimidating, since he is also a huge, powerful alpha. My whole body trembles seeing the rippling muscle of his torso and arms that he's hidden beneath his shirt. They stop talking abruptly, and I jerk back. Footsteps are approaching, and I suffer an irrational urge to flee. There is nowhere to go. I'm trapped. The curtain is drawn back. It's Dax. 
Up close, he appears bigger and more intimidating without the covering of a shirt. I turn away. Every part of me is quaking. Is he about to punish me for spying on them? I'm sorry, I say, hoping this will preempt a disciplining. When I glance up, I find Dax frowning, nostrils flared. Why? What have you done? I... Now I have backed myself into a corner, and I have no idea how to respond that will not see them take a belt to my bottom. It's still very sore. I believe it will be painful for the rest of today and several days to come. You're making her nervous, Silas says, pulling out a chair and sitting in such a way that he has a perfect view of the bedding nook. Hmm, Dax says, making it clear that he doesn't believe I've done nothing. Seeing his knee hit the bed, I yelp and turn around. I think someone has been up to mischief, he says, thick arm coiling around my waist and bringing me flush to his naked chest. My body is in a state of riot. The feeling of his warm chest, the thick muscles bunching and sliding where we are pressed together, and his rich alpha scent are acting upon me like a spell. Now, he says, drawing his large hand gently through my hair, brushing it from my hot cheeks, tell me what you did to look so guilty. Okay, so, yeah, that last part was uh, turning up the heat a bit, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, so coming down from the inferno level a little bit, there's quite a few things in this excerpt that we actually have now learned about this book and quite a few things that are really juicy to dive into. So one of the important things to note is that we know that there are at least three of them. And I'm going to guess that's the total number that there are. There could be more, but I'm assuming that there's three of them. And that they're all alphas. That's really interesting. And they all seem like dominating, intimidating, very hot, I must get my way type alpha males too. Yeah, that's going to put this book on the inferno edge of things. I honestly can't wait to read it. Cannot wait to read it. Okay, so the bedding nook is an interesting situation. It kind of reminds me of the Omega Nests, but she doesn't really seem to want to be in it. And with the way that the curtain is and the way that both Silas and Dax are reacting with her in it, it almost seems like it's a place that they put her to get her to stay there. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's a cage. Kind of like it's a place that they've put her to say, stay here or else. That's going to be interesting to read about. I am really, really curious about the bedding nook and to see if it's something that's similar to an Omega nest where the Omegas actually want to be there and they feel a little bit safer there. Or if this is more something that she views as kind of like a cage and doesn't want to be there. Hmm, that is really interesting. I can't wait to see what's going on with that bedding nook. I also really want to know what they're talking about. She's not the only one that wants to hear that. I really want to know what they're talking about as far as her goes. Obviously, they have her. They're three big, strong alphas. She is not getting away. Um, so what is it they're talking about? That's really interesting. It's also very interesting that it's three alphas to one omega. I have never seen an alpha want to share before. 
So are they talking about maybe a schedule? Are they talking about who gets her in the end? Are they arguing about it? Mmm. I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out with three dominating alphas to the one omega. Oh, yep. Can't wait to see what they were talking about and how that's working. And Dax is also very intriguing. So, so far we've gotten a little hint of Silas, but here we're also getting a hint of Dax. And I would say between the two, she is very justified in her feeling of being intimidated more by Dax than she is Silas. Silas had that humor quality to him in the last excerpt. He had that side that I felt was more him wanting to put her at ease, whereas Dax is giving off this complete dominant aura with no give. Also, since Silas is the one that put her in the bedding nook and closed the curtain in a way that made Belle think he was saying, do not come out, almost makes me wonder if he was protecting her from something. But then again, he does later on grab a chair and just watch as Dax does what he's doing, so I could be completely wrong about that. Maybe he wasn't trying to protect her from Dax, but who knows? I can't wait to see how that is playing out. Again, the three alphas to one omega is going to be very interesting. There's also this matter of them punishing her for something, and I am definitely picking up the fact that it was all three of them punishing her. So I'm wondering if... She got punished for trying to escape them, if she was punished for disobeying them, or for acting out against them. Mm, I can't wait to see what's going on here, how this dynamic is going to work out, and what she got in trouble for. Honestly, can't wait to read this book. These kinds of reverse harems are really interesting to me. Generally, reverse harems don't hold a whole lot of appeal for me, but these ones, the ones that get in-depth, the ones that really pike my interest as to the whole, how is this dynamic going to work out? How is the love between them going to work out? Really, really grabs at me, and I just can't wait to see how this is going to work. There's clearly a difference between Dax and Silas and how their dynamic with each other is even working out, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the three males work between each other, the differences between them, and if there's a hierarchy even with them. This is all just so very interesting, and I just can't wait to read it. Okay, you guys, I think that's going to do it for this bookish book hype. If you are as excited as I am to get into this reverse harem by L.V. Lane, please go ahead and visit the blog post for this particular podcast so you can get to all of the links for buying on the different platforms. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to see more, please consider subscribing either to the podcast or the blog so that way you never miss a new bookish book hype when they come out. If this is your first time hearing about L.V. Lane, I highly suggest you check out her other books. She's an amazing author and she does a lot of awesome Omegaverse romance books, both in the dark world and some that are more on the fantasy side. So if you're into the more Omegaverse romance, please consider checking her out. I'm sure that you'll enjoy them. 
And again, a big thank you to LV Lane for sending in these amazing excerpts for us to really dive into in the podcast and get a little sneak peek into this amazing book of yours. Thank you so much for sending these in. I really appreciate it. The cover art for Bookish Creation Podcast was done by The Artsy Reader. The Artsy Reader is another awesome book blogger. You can check out her blog at www.theartsyreader.com. If you'd like to see more fun bookish romance things, head on over to my blog at www.bookishcreation.com and see more book reviews as well as bookish book hypes and a bunch of other fun romance things that we do over there. I hope that you're all having a fantastic morning, afternoon, or evening wherever you are in the world and that this new chapter in your life is as amazing as the last book you read. I'll talk to you all next time. Bye!